You're listening to the official podcast of Church Untitled, located in downtown Vancouver. We are a community set apart to bear His name, in our city, for His glory. We hope that you're blessed and enriched by this message. Today we're going to be talking about prayer, right? And I just want to use the life of Jesus because that's the best example we have. Right. I mean, I love Elijah. You know, I love Abraham. I love Daniel. But when I look at Jesus, he's the pattern son. He was God's intent for man's relationship with God. That was God's perfect son. And I just want to use his life to encourage all of us here today, myself included. And one thing that I just want to start off by saying before we read the passages, when you read the Gospels, it's very easy to think the majority of Jesus's works and the main thrust of his ministry was the miracles that he performed, was the signs and the wonders that he did. But the greatest work of his ministry was his prayer life. The whole thrust of Jesus's ministry was his prayer life. I'll give you a few examples because I want us to think about this naturally. Ryan and I, we've traveled to Zambia. You remember when we were on, you, you know, it's a long trip, you get tired, you know, you minister to people, you do all that, you pray. But the amazing thing that I started to notice or what you'll notice as you read the gospels, as you pass through scripture is that when everyone is hanging up the cleats and going home or going out to eat because the meeting was awesome, Jesus had this habit of going to a solitary place. When everyone else was like, oh, we ate, it's good, it's time to go home. Jesus had this habit of withdrawing to be with the Father. You see it in Mark, you see it in Matthew, you see it in John, you see it in Luke. He constantly withdrew so that he could be with the Father. Before he picked the 12, the Bible says he continued all night in prayer. All night in prayer. And I always ask myself, even when he fed the 5,000, you guys remember, after he fed them, he sent them away and he sent his disciples on boat to go to the other side. And the Bible says, then he climbed up a mountain. And I don't know about you guys, but you guys see some of the depictions of Jesus where he looks like really cool, smooth skin, nice hair, long wavy hair. Jesus used to hike, y'all. Like he was like, they used to say the rugged Nazarene. Like he, hiking some of those mountains wasn't as cute as we make it think, but it draws a wonderful picture for us about what it takes to actually cultivate a life of prayer and connection to God. Because your flesh will not want to cultivate relationship with God, but there's something in you that God has wrought by his spirit when you are born again there's a spirit man that longs for connection with him and there's always a war that is going on and it will never cease till the day we see him face to face we're about to find out about that in Luke 22 do you guys remember the words Jesus takes a few disciples to pray and then he says pray and watch so you don't fall into temptation because the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak you guys are following right you're tracking So this is what's going on on the inside. And the reason there's such a struggle when it comes to prayer is because when prayer is done right, it shifts not only nations, destinies, but when prayer is done right, God's kingdom comes upon the earth. In Luke 11, right? The Bible says this. It says when they were in a certain place, 
the disciples were with Jesus and Jesus was a little distance away and he was praying. And the disciples, after watching Jesus a while, figured out a few things. They were Jews. And in case you don't know, Jews know all about prayer. For some of us who've been to Israel, you know, they, they have the little tassel deals and they tie stuff on their heads. They have the little shawl and they rock back and forth and they pray. So Jesus was, the Jews knew exactly what prayer was, but they knew that their prayer was different from Jesus's prayers. Primarily because of this one reason. When Jesus prayed, the father responded. When Jesus prayed, heaven responded. Imagine if we could get to the place, which we will if God permits, where when we pray as individuals, heaven truly responds. When we pray as a corporate church, the kingdom of God actually comes. This is what God intends. And this is why there's such a great battle in the place of prayer. This is why you could do events, you could do barbecues, you could do all that. And the enemy will never resist the barbecues. But try to establish a prayer life. And then you're going to know what resistance is. Your alarm clock will be against you. Pastor sheets at bedside assemblies will be against you. Everything in the whole world will be against you. Why? Because the enemy knows that if you learn how to be connected with God, because it's your birthright. Remember, we're not trying to get some type of deal to, this is your birthright. If you actually learn who you are, if you actually learn who God has called us to be, and we begin to walk in it, then we could be the glorious bride that he called us to be in the earth, who actually reflects him. Does that make sense? So this is why there's such a struggle in the place of prayer. This is why there's such a struggle to establish a prayer life, but God has given us grace. And that's why we're all here. There's a hunger, there's a pursuit. And I believe as we continue, God will do it. Let's be honest. How many of you have ever prayed for something, but you actually were not expecting the answer? Be honest. I guess, okay, there we go. I was like, I, I know, you know, we got some saints up in here then, but how many of you, like, I'll give you an example. You're praying for someone who's sick. You pray for them, but you, you're not even expecting their healing. You're just like doing it because it's like what Christians are supposed to do. God, I, I pray, just touch his body. Yeah, yeah. And you're thinking about what you're going to order at Cactus. It's like, okay, what? Are, okay, is it going to be chicken today? Or you know what I'm saying? Like, that's how we are. But imagine if you actually knew that God could actually hear you. John 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, right? You guys remember that passage? He prays a short prayer. Father, I thank you that you hear me. That's the key to prayer, guys. Because many people pray, right? Many people pray. But God doesn't hear all prayer. Okay? I, I don't want that to escape you. The secret of Jesus' life we see in John 11. Father, I thank you that you hear me. What an awesome privilege and birthright to have that we have audience or we have the ear of the eternal God who created the heavens and the earth. But it calls for a certain kind of life. I haven't forgotten about Luke 22. I know some people's Bibles, they're open, you're ready to go. We're going to get there. Just give me one, one moment. 
Hebrews chapter 5. You guys know I love to be interactive. I don't know who it's going to be today. Hebrews 5. Somebody read for us from verse 7 to 9. This was the secret to why Jesus' prayer was answered. This is why God continually heard Jesus. If anyone has that, just who has it? Got it? All right, so just listen to this. This is the secret to answered prayer, okay? Who, in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And God heard him because of his reverent submission to God. Because that fear is not talking about, I'm just afraid. It's talking about a fear that is rooted in love and a fear that is rooted in deep reverence for him. He highly esteemed his father and he allowed his life to align to that to the point where he didn't want to do anything outside the father's desire. And because he was in the father's will, his prayers were answered. And this is what the Bible means when Jesus prayed. And he says that when we pray anything according to the Father's will or when we pray in his name, God would hear us because we are in his will, right? And then our joy would be made complete. Oh, what joy it is to know that God can hear us. Imagine that God can hear us. But the Bible says Jesus lived a life in a certain kind of way that caused the father to always be attentive to his cry. And it had to do with reverent fear that was expressed through obedience. Even obedience that was very difficult to carry out. Because we know the ultimate obedience that passage is talking about was the cross. Right? Obviously, there's obedience in all of our daily lives. You guys get what I'm saying. But the obedience that was upon the son was that the father had desired for him to go and give his life as a ransom for many. Was this an easy thing? Absolutely not. Yet God had ordained this. And the Bible says this is what Jesus gave himself to. And this is what we're going to read right now. So turn your Bibles again to Luke 22. We're starting from verse 39. I'm going to read it, reading out of the ESV. And I'm going to read a couple of passages and just draw out a few different points. And then we're going to land this thing. Cool? It's over here if you guys need it on the screen. This is Jesus. They've just had the Last Supper. He's now going down to a place called the Mount of Olives to pray with his disciples. I want you to notice a few things. Verse 39 says, And he came out and went as was his custom. So this was Jesus' rhythm. This was part of his life. Custom speaks of something that he continually did. To the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Okay, let's just pause right there. Do you guys see what reverence submission looks like? Jesus is flesh. He had a desire in his flesh. And he says, Lord, I know you can get me out of this. I know that there's a possibility. But I don't want what I want. I want what you want. 
This was the secret to his answered prayer. Do you guys see that? The reverence submission is happening right now. That's it right there. Not my will, but yours be done. Okay? And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. Now pause. If an angel appeared to me while I was in prayer, I would stop praying and tell everybody, yo, you guys should have seen what happened in prayer. Angels came and showed up. This is amazing. This is awesome. But I want you to notice why the angel appeared. The Bible says the angel appeared to strengthen him because God was drawing him into a place of prayer that was deeper than the place he had just been because the angel came to strengthen him to continue into prayer. Notice that. It says, an angel appeared from heaven, strengthening him, and being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground, and he rose from prayer, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow, and he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. I just want to talk about that word temptation just really quickly. Because without prayer, this is why we are here today. This is why we want to learn more about prayer. But without prayer, without any of this, one thing that we'll realize is we won't be able to accomplish God's ordained purpose and desire for our lives. If we're not connected to him, we can't accomplish his purpose and will for our lives. Because in prayer, there's a grace that is made available for us to walk out this Christian life. There's a true place of strength in the place of prayer. There's true deposits that God gives to his people so that we're able to carry out the things we know he's called us to. Does that make sense? Right? So the word there for temptation is perasmos. And this is the definition. I just want you to hear this. It says, of the temptation by which the devil sought to divert Jesus the Messiah from his divine errand. So what Jesus is saying is, if you don't pray, what may happen is you may be diverted for the purpose and the call I have for you. This is why prayer is like oxygen for us as believers. If we want to carry out the will of God in our lives, we can't do so without connection to him. We can't do so without walking with him. We can't do so without establishing a prayer life. Because in prayer, when we learn it right, there's divine exchanges that begin to happen. This divine exchange, real exchange. And I want you guys to, I want to whet your appetite to realize that prayer is not just this thing we gather, nothing happens, you don't feel it, but there are deep places in prayer where heaven becomes available to you. Heaven becomes available and you now just not only begin to see, hear, and God begins to download and infuse things. Because what was right after this? A few hours after this, Jesus had to face the cross, right? Imagine if Jesus had slept the whole night and then tried to go to the cross. In the morning, just wake up. Oh, it's time to die. I knew I was called to die. Okay, all right, let's go to the cross. That's not how it happened. Jesus is modeling how a man walks with God and accomplishes God's divine purpose and will. Because how many of you know that when you come to the place of prayer, what you hear at times is not always easy to digest? Guys, there's a place in God when this whole thing is cool. When we hear Jesus say, not my will, but yours, that's cool until you really want something. And that thing you really want is not what God wants. Then it's, then it's not cool, 
Right? You're just like, oh, okay. Yo, okay, God. So I thought you're here to bless me. I thought you're here to take me to the next level. I thought you were here. And God's like, no, I'm, I want you to die. Okay, time out, God. Okay, let's, you are the bread of life. You are life itself. Why do you want me to die? Those things are really cool until your will really clashes with his. And Jesus shows us here that the, el- the, chief, and element they, uh, the chief element here that we need to realize is we are most useful to God when our will is laid down to him. We reflect God in a greater way when our will and our agenda is laid down. This is what prayer does. We find the strength to lay down our will in prayer. There are many people I know who, you know, there's a big decision before them. They need to do, they know what's right to do, but then they're like, oh, I'll pray about it. How many of you have been there? Someone uses that as, okay, be honest, people. You've used that as the escape. You know that you were telling someone you're going to pray about it because you already knew what you wanted to do, but you're just like, you know, I'm going to pray about it. But you actually didn't go pray about it and wrestle with God about it and lay down your will because that's what prayer is about. It's ultimately about us finding out his heart and will, but then laying down our, our own will and our own heart. And that's what get, gets God's ear. God says, ah, I can use that. Isn't that what Romans 12:1 says? This is our acceptable act of worship to offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice it's not something you do once guys guess what that will is stubborn it's going to be with you when you wake up tomorrow it will be with you every moment of every passing day it will be there always trying to enforce itself always trying to put itself before God and whenever we lack a prayer life that will will always win it's guaranteed trust me it will always win But in prayer, Jesus shows us the secret to laying that will down. And when you lay down that will, even when it's hard sometimes, sometimes you need divine assistance to lay down that will. And that's what the the Bible says here. An angel had to come and start to strengthen him for what was about to come. Now keep going. Keep going. And it says he kept praying and praying until he rose from prayer. When he rose, Jesus's victory had been won. The strength he needed to overcome Calvary was already deposited and complete on his knees. It was complete. So whenever the whips came, you better believe his heart was ready because there was a divine infusion of strength. Whenever the nails went through his hands, you better believe he was ready because there was a divine infusion of strength. God forbid that we try to take up our cross without the power of the Holy Spirit. God forbid that we try to carry our own logs, our own wood in our own strength and try to reflect Jesus in the world when we haven't yet learned to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. This is what God is calling us to. And I want to just encourage you to let you know that will is strong. But in prayer, that can be laid down. Have you ever read the passage where Paul says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their mortal bodies? Where do we crucify our mortal bodies? But the place of prayer. Where else do you crucify the mortal body? Where? You don't just do it by waking up and listening to a good sermon. You have to find God in the place of prayer. Prayer actually has to start to work, guys. You know what I'm saying? Like it actually has to be real. And I don't know about you guys. I don't want to fake Christianity till I make it. 
If I testify about Jesus, I want to tell people, bro, there's true power here, bro. Like for real. How? Show me. I'll show you. I'll show you. Just walk with me. And you see there's true power. This is what God's called us to, guys. Is this helping anybody? Can I go a little deeper? (laughs) So let's now turn because I want to show you where this was prophesied. We're reading this now. But how many of you know that there are people who saw this day before Jesus was ever born? Let's turn to Isaiah 50. Isaiah 50. We'll be reading from verse 4 all the way through 10. Uh, And I think Sam has it up here for us. This was the prophet Isaiah who saw the Lord's day. And I want you to realize or to note a few things about this passage. Because this passage is speaking about what we just read about, but it happened over 400 years before Jesus even showed up on the scene. And imagine what what detail he saw it with. So actually, I'll turn to it in mind just so I don't break my neck trying to turn and see this. Okay, Isaiah 50. You guys there? Awesome. Look what it says. We're going to be reading from verse 4. It says, The Lord, this is Isaiah speaking, but he's speaking as though he is Christ. This is also an insight to the secret of Jesus' prayer life. This is the secret of Jesus' life right here in these few verses. So mark this, circle it, you know, put stars around it. This is the secret of Jesus' life on earth. The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how, how to sustain with the word him who is weary. Morning by morning, he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened up my ear and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near me. Behold, the Lord helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment and the moth will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? You guys see that fears again? Fears the Lord? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Whoa. That's weighty. We draw a few patterns. I'm just going to go down really quickly. Jesus never spoke a word that was outside of the will of God, and we see why, he, why here. Does that make sense? We see that when Jesus withdrew, he withdrew because the Father gave him instructions daily about what to do every single day. Okay? That's what the Bible means when it says, morning by morning, he awakens me. So, you see that? Morning by morning. This is why Jesus always showed up, because that's where God's instruction was. Morning by morning, he awakens me. 
to hear as those who are taught. The Lord opened up my ear, right? And I was not rebellious or turned backwards. So God opened up his ear, but God opened up his ear so he could speak to him. And here the Bible makes it clear what God was speaking to him about. He gave his back to those who strike. That was Jesus being whipped before he went to the cross. He saw that. Isaiah saw that. Jesus saw this before he came. And my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I did not hide my face from disgrace and spitting. Now, this is a tough command from God. That's hard. How many of you agree with that? God showed Jesus his death. You're going to go and die. Okay, that's great. And the reason he says I was not rebellious is because oftentimes when God speaks certain things to us, if we're not equipped in the place of prayer, we all become Jonah's. We turn and we begin to run. Because, guys, and I'm, I'm trying to, I'm just sharing my heart with you. Oftentimes people have this idea about God that everything he has to say is stuff that I like and we like. That's not true. When we realize how out of sync we are from God, we realize how this journey is, how God begins to show you, no, I want you to give to that person. Lord, but we were fighting last week. I don't like, give to that person. God, I really don't give to that person. And here the Lord had showed Jesus he had to die. And he said, I was not rebellious. Now, this was prophesied but I find it really interesting how it actually unfolded. Jesus didn't say, oh, this was prophesied over me, so it's going to happen. He had to align his life in the place of prayer. Just say it with me, say prayer. He had to align himself. And I don't know if you've ever received a prophetic word over your life, but here's a newsflash. Those words won't manifest unless we align ourselves with them. Those words won't manifest until we're diligent and faithful to walk things out with God. If we're not aligned with God, those words will just come and go. Trust me, we've seen it happen. Trust me. So Jesus is showing us how we contend for the promises of God. How we get a hold of the divine nature. You guys remember that Jacob didn't have a little fight with God for his destiny to be shifted. For him to become, as he says, he fought all night with God in the place of prayer until God blessed him. This is not an easy road, and I'm here to submit to you that no man or woman is greater than their prayer life. No man or woman is greater than their prayer life. That's why Jesus emphasized prayer above everything. Connection to the Father. Are you guys tracking? You guys are good? Okay. All right. Let's keep going. It says here, who among you fears the Lord, in verse 10, and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Okay. There are times where God will speak things to you and allow you to walk in darkness. Okay? He does this for several reasons. God will speak to you a thing and he will allow you to walk in darkness. Because this is part of us cultivating and exercising the faith and our trust in him. Because if you truly know him like Jesus, you'll be willing to lay your life down for him. Because this passage right here is talking about that. Jesus trusted that the father 
would raise him up again. And that's why he was willing to lay his life down. And oftentimes God's words, a lot of times, lead us to many deaths. Did you hear what I said? Oftentimes the place of obedience leads us to graves. It's a place where you have to die. That's how God works. These are the ways of God. But God wants you to trust him because there are times and seasons where you feel, God, where are you? Even Jesus felt that on the cross. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's what it's talking about. Let him who walks in darkness do what? And has no light, trust in the name of his God and rely upon his God. Even when it was dark, because he knew his father, connection was still strong. Even though the Wi-Fi connection was cut, Jesus said, the connection is still strong. This is what Jonah, he was saying, the sign of Jonah. Jonah went into the belly of the earth for three days, but he says, even if I descend to Sheol in the Psalms, you will hear me even there. That's the connection that the son had with the father. And he says, and I, I know that he will not abandon me to the grave or let his holy one see decay. So Jesus walked in that confidence to say, even though I don't see light, I mean, you guys know this psalm. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow. This is what David was talking about. We think it's about David, but David is looking. It's all about Jesus. Who walked through the valley of the shadow of death? Yeah, David had a type of it, but who really walked through the valley of the shadow of death? It was Jesus. And what comforted him? His rod and staff. What is the rod? God's word. Because God will never go back on his word. So Jesus said, I'm going to walk in this darkness because I know my father said he will not abandon me to the grave. I know I have no sign of God. I can't see him. I can't sense him. I have no goosebumps. I have nothing. But he said, so I'm going to go. He said it, so I'm going to keep going. And eventually, God will raise you up at the appointed time. This is the ways of God. This is what it means to walk by faith. Other people don't see it, but you have night vision. You can see where other people don't see. In the darkness, you say, he's still with me. In the darkness, you say, no, no, he's still here. In the darkness, you say, no, he's carrying me. In the darkness, you say, no, he knows exactly where I am. I'm in Sheol, but all it takes is my voice and he will revive me. He will resurrect me. He will raise me up. Let's look at one last passage before we shut this down. Psalm 40, same thing. I'm just trying to show you guys, Jesus is all over here in the scriptures. All over. This shows us the posture of Jesus' heart and we would do well to learn valuable lessons about the posture of his heart toward the Father because the secret to answered prayer is not the type of fast you do, whether I kneel or face the east. That's not the, the, the secret. The secret is what we're about to read. It's the heart posture toward God. This is the same passage. It's a psalmist writing it. But one thing you realize, this is David writing it. David used to have encounters with God because God would allow him to see by the Spirit, Messiah or Jesus. And he would say things as though he himself were Messiah. The Spirit would come on him and he would prophesy of things to come. And look what verse 6 says. I think it's, yeah, it's up there. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, 
but you have given me an open ear. You guys see that open ear again? Why? Because obedience is better than sacrifice. Sometimes God tells us to do things and then we come up with an alternative. God, you told me to do this, but I bought you a car. This is for the ministry. God's like, I never asked you to do, buy a car. What are you doing? Well, Lord, I'm giving it to the ministry. And God's like, no, I, I told you to, to, to die. That's what, I asked, that's what I asked of you. But this is what it's saying here. He has given me an open ear. This is what God truly desires. Men and women who are available to him and who have their ears turned toward God to hear what he has to say. Then it says, burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, behold, this is Jesus. I have come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. In Hebrews, when you look at that, there's a little asterisk there. It takes you back to the original passage. In the other passage, it says, a body you have prepared for me so that I could be the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world, so I could lay my life down. So I could lay my life down. And this is one thing that's really encouraging even about that because I'm going to use a, the life of Isaac and Abraham to illustrate this very same point. I remember when I used to read that story, I used to think Isaac was probably maybe four or five years old. You know, oh yeah, Isaac must have been little. He had no clue what God was doing. He had no clue what, what he, I mean, what Abraham was doing. But that kind of takes away from the story a little bit. At this stage, we know that Isaac was a mature young man. He was mature enough to reason, to say, okay, dad, I've been around a while. We've done a couple of sacrifices and I'm not seeing anything around here. So it's, um, you know, you have something to tell me? Like, you know, you, you want to tell me something? And imagine what that conversation went by because the Bible doesn't say Isaac fought with Abraham. If some of us were told that, we'll start like, oh, you know, we're, we're playing tag on top of the mountain now. Like Abraham's trying to catch me. We're running away. But something happened there because Isaac allowed himself to be bound. He actually allowed himself. And that's a picture of Jesus and the father. The willful submission to the Lord. And guys, I'm here to tell you, if rebellion is repulsive to God, then submission is a fragrance to him. If sin produced rebellion and it produced all the chaos, imagine the beauty that submission to God brings. The restoration of things. A life that is submitted. A church that is submitted to God. Imagine the restoration that that will bring to our families, to our lives, to our region, to our country. Imagine what that would bring. If we all said, Lord, I realize that uh, there's no sacrifice here, but I guess your eyes are on me and you want me to be a living sacrifice. I'm not going to fight you. I'll need your strength for this, but I'm going to lay my life down. Because I know that only then can you raise me up. And only then can you be glorified in the greatest way. Guys, we cannot advance without establishing a life of prayer. And I'm not talking about religious prayer. We've already talked about that. I'm not going to go back over that again. But I'm talking about true connection with God. 
If you contend for anything, contend for that. And trust me, when you connect with him, you'll know. Because it's not dry. It's not, Father, thank you for my day, for my meal, for my car, my apartment that I live in Vancouver. Thank you for Pastor Ryan and the church. Amen. You roll into, guys, it's way deeper. Trust me. It's way deeper than that. And like I said, it's not even in the volume of words that you say. But going back to Luke 22, Jesus was in such agony. And in all the gospels, we only hear Jesus praying one simple line. And he prayed it three times, which means God heard him, but we don't need to pray many things to get an answer from God. He says, Lord, I know that you're able to make this cup pass. Not my will, but yours. He goes back to the disciples. He sees that they're still asleep. He encourages encourages them the same way. Goes back to God and says the exact same thing. He says, Lord, I know you're able to. However, not my will, not yours. In Matthew, it says he did it three times. And the reason I think this is, I'm not saying scholars say this, this must have been maybe two to three hours because he says, could you not watch with me for an hour? And he kept going back. In that long period of time, he said one thing. And don't ever think, even as we learn from that passage, that it's the multitude of your words because God hears sighs. He hears your heart. He hears agony. He hears pain. He hears all those things. And that's why I was saying sometimes silence says more than all the words we could ever fathom. God knows where you are. You could sit in his presence and God is looking and saying, oh, okay, I see exactly what you're saying. Even the psalmist said, when I sigh, you know, you hear me. How many of you have ever sighed because you're heavy? Do you know that God sees that? He's not like, oh, what's that? What what, what is he doing? I wonder what's wrong. Like he knows exactly why you're sighing and he cares to that degree. So don't let anyone ever, you know, the, the Pentecostal meetings. Not again. We love the church, okay? We love the church. You get in there, prayer meeting. Oh, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you. Father, we bless you. We bless you. Thank you, Lord. You're, you're moving in power. You're moving. And it's like two hours of that. And I'm just like, wow. Like, whoa. Like overload. Like, you know, it's like on every level. And God bless our brothers, you know, and sisters. But... What I've learned, trust me, I used to be one of those. I'm going to be real, right? So (laughs) I used to think, bro, we're praying today. I got to get 20,000 words out between 8 and 9 p.m. Let's go, machine gun, right? But I realized over time, it's not in the multitude of words. Guys, there are times I've had in prayer where, and I'll just share this last one. Can I just share a personal testimony? Uh, there was one time I was on a, uh, on a fast. It was a, it was a liquid fast, uh, I think a year or two ago, just to share some real life stuff. Uh, my wife's in the back. She knows. It's really hard. Uh, I was doing sales during that time, getting very weak, getting very tired. But around day nine, I was just listening to worship and I'd pray and listen to worship. Didn't really know. I just wanted to be available to God. Around day nine, something very interesting started to happen. I started to feel the tangibility of God. Like I'd be in a place and I'd just start to sense like a heavy blanket come on me. And not heavy as in like depression, but you could feel like the weight of the Lord come in the room. And I remember I would just clasp my hands together and I'll begin to bawl 
and to weep at the presence of God. And all he was communicating was just the nearness of the Lord. And I don't know if you've ever been held by the Lord. Like, like hugged by the Lord. Sometimes a hug communicates so much more than certain answers we're looking for, even in difficult seasons. The Lord just comes and embraces you. But from that 21 days, from day nine, I traveled down to Florida with my wife and we were part of this, uh, I think it was Raw Encounter. Burning Ones was doing something in Florida. And this certain thing started to happen. And this was something that happened during that fast and it hasn't stopped happening. It happens. I don't control when it does happen, but it happens since that time. And um, I was there worshiping and um, Eric Gilmore was there and he's like, bro, can you just pray for me before I go up? So I prayed for him. And when he went up, I felt this same blanket thing, but heavier. And I was on all fours, almost hyperventilating. Ask my wife. And the floor was filled with tears. And all I could think about was the sweetness of Jesus. Just his face. I was overwhelmed by his love. And all I could say is, have I ever told you how much I love you? Those are the words that just kept rolling out. And I was bawling and bawling that whole night. Like my, I ran out of tears. And that night, because I'm not eating, right? So this is, we've traveled other people. Like, I'm like, okay, great. All I had, you know, when you're liquid fasting and it's water only, you can only have water so many ways, okay? You can do water on the rocks. You know, you can do sparkling water. Water with lemon, with lime, with an orange slice. Like there's, there's only so many ways, right? So I got up at three in the morning or four in the morning and I just felt the Lord was saying, just go over there by the door. We had a room that was kind of a corner suite. So it was really long and narrow. And I went toward the bathroom. And when I clasped my hands, the embrace would come. And I'm like, God, what is this? And I would weep. The whole morning, I was weeping and bawling for two, three hours. And the presence I just felt was like just there. And I was like, God, like, what is this? And then we went to this glory cruise. Um, a friend of ours had a cruise and there's a, obviously a conference in there. And guys, I got sideswiped so bad by God on that glory. Ask, my wife is right there. She'll tell you. I had to walk back. The cruise ship, if you guys can see my Bible, was just say that's the cruise ship. The conference was over here, like in one of the ballrooms. Our room was over here. It took me almost 30 minutes to get back because every third step, I would have to stop and weep. Because, and she would stop with me and everyone's like, you know, people on cruise ships are doing their own thing. They're there to party, to gamble, whatever. So they're like, what's wrong with this guy? But from that day, that turned on. And I say that to encourage you to say, God will meet you if you just set your heart toward him. I can't explain what that meant. I can't explain, but all I know is that was the embrace of the Lord. And guys, it happens now still, but it opened up during that fast. It never happened prior, but now it happens often, but I can't control when it happens. Right. So I simply say that to share that to say, and even with that, I believe there's certain things that start to happen, like where when you open the scriptures, certain things come alive that were not there before. You start to see things or God starts to share his heart in certain ways he never has before. Dreams open up, encounter opens up. And guys, I'm telling you, once the Lord encounters you, it's it's 
I don't want to use the word addicting because I know it has a negative connotation, but it's like you can't get enough. You can't get enough. So now you're not fasting because of discipline. It's out of desire. You're looking for him. Where are you? Where are you? Where's the Lord? And whatever he says, you'll do even if it means to die because you love him. Right? Okay. Even it means, right? Even if it means to die because you're infatuated with him. Whatever. Do you tell me you die? Okay, here, Lord. Seriously. That's the picture of what happened when the son gave his life. He was in total agreement, joyful agreement. Joyful. Is that, is that what you want, Father? That's what you want? I'll go. Send me. That's what we just read in Psalm 40. I desire to do your will. I desire it. What you want, I want. But I feel that those downloads of love enable us to give ourselves because love is the only thing that sacrifices of itself. We know that. You can't lay down your life without love. And that's why we always say this is not about religion and duties and everything. What I want God to ignite our hearts with is a true love for him. Because when you truly love him and you establish this prayer life, laying down your life becomes possible. Because you love him. Because you love him. And because you know you're loved. Your love is not defined by whether he made you suffer or not. That's not what defines love. God affirmed his son even before he went to the cross. This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. I'm pleased with him. It's a done deal. Before he ever did anything, I'm pleased. And I pray that over this fast, God would just send love bombs in your hearts and lives. Some of you are looking for breakthrough, but may God encounter you in love and overflow in your hearts. Thanks for listening to the Church Untitled podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on our latest messages. For more about what's happening in our community, follow us on social media or visit us at churchuntitled.com.